Hi, just your friendly neighbourhood guitar owner here. Shut up, Sean, keep it down, sorry. To tell you all about what the good guys and gals at Fender have been up to. If, like me, you've ever lusted after vintage 50s, 60s and 70s Fenders, but couldn't quite find the dollars to procure them, forget about it. Because a solution has presented itself. Because they've only gone and cherry-picked some of their best ever models from those years and meticulously and lovingly recreated them. They've done beautiful 66 Jazz Masters, a 72 Thin Line Telecaster with a humbucker, beautiful 61 Strats in Fiesta Red like my Hero Mark Knopfler's. And this that you can hear, I'm handling with tremulous digits. The 57 Strat is right here. There's so many to go at. And they sound, well, they sound like modern music's greatest hits on your lap. That's what they sound like. I thought that might get us in the mood as we prepare to greet another guest to talk through their fantasy festival selection. Guitars are always welcome, of course. Check out the range at fender.com forward slash the lineup. Look who it is. What you got going on there? I'm just bringing my guitars in. What's going on? But I've got almost as many as you. Oh, yeah? I just want to... I just want to wave a few past, you know. Oh, what's this? This, guys, is the American Vintage 2 1957 reissue Stratocaster. Oh, yeah. Seafoam green. Very nice. thought you'd like that, because I saw your Telecaster reclining in the background. Oh, yeah. I'm just joining in, mate. Just joining yeah, in. Yeah, love it. That's great. That's great. You've seen, yeah, oh, you've got, got a big like Bixby, Bixby on yeah. the old telly here, look. Quite classic. I think I've seen you use that. Yeah, it's nice. This was from Fender. They're not really so good, aren't they? They're they're really... They've been very lovely. They make the best guitars in the world, essentially. Right, yeah. okay. Well, we've, we've had a little show and tell, so I'll do a little <laughs> intro and then we'll just crack up, crack it, crack it, crack on if that's all right. Lovely. The festival. Here we go. There's really nothing quite like it. When you pick the right acts to see, it's musical nirvana. So if given the power of the festival gods to have absolutely any act you desire, alive or not, playing in that perfect spot at the perfect moment, who would you choose? MC5. Oh, yeah. And Stooges. Detroit Supernova. I just imagine this is the perfect one. It's going to be Burt Bacharach <gasps> and Friends. I was like, yes! It's such an anthem for yes! that, isn't it? If you're wearing a coat, you go take that coat off, baby, <laughs> and get wet up. Behold, the greatest day of our lives! Oh, yeah. Let's go! Welcome to the lineup, you beautiful spirits of Eden. We want to be free. One of the most bizarre moments I had was singing karaoke with Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. He talks like he sings. I'm like, hey guys, how you doing? What's going on? Who is he? A strange one, yes. A hot rat, yeah. A diamond hoo-ha man, certainly. Is he a matador? Is he in it for the money? Sorry, my meds kicked in halfway through this. I've lost confidence in it. This guy is one of our great songwriters, <laughs> collaborators, guitarists, singers, tit for touters, sidey sporting men, from the Jennifers and Supergrass to his brilliant solo stuff. Baker, you forgot Baker. Baker, I'm gonna written that down. Yeah, Cheryl. He is always an oral pleasure. He survived Britpop, 
and a homecoming gig at a Leisure Centre in Abingdon where I'm reliably informed drummer bandmate Danny Goffey kept fainting yet the band played on. He's got three solo albums tucked under his belt already and wait, turn the car around. Is that a shiny new fourth album I see approaching the rear view mirror? Here to tear the line up a new one is Gaz Coombs. <laughs> Hello, Sean. Wow, that was, uh, that was a pretty uh, hearty intro. It was quite meaty, wasn't it? Mm, um, smooth. No, the first things first. But it's nice to be here. Thanks. Sorry, thank you for having me. By the way, thank we've you. We've been chasing you down for weeks. I mean, we've both been ill. We've uh, we, we've we've both had the Christmas lurgy. We've had Christmas, and yet we survived mm. it all. Well, just just give me an idea as to what your Christmas was like. It was a much needed break, actually. Yeah, very very much family chilled out. Uh, kind of relaxed. My brothers were around, the family were around. You know, it's great. It's how Christmas should be. And I, I, is it fair to... Am I right in saying that we, we find you in, 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 Ox, in the Oxfordshire countryside at the moment? Yeah, yeah, I'm at home, yeah. Are you anywhere near the Cotswolds? Can you throw a shoe and hit Jeremy Clarkson? And if so, would you do it? <laughs> if I could, I would. <laughs> there is some distance between okay. us, which uh, I've managed to cultivate <laughs> in a very calculated way over the years, yeah. I'm very yeah. glad to hear it. He keeps moving closer and then I move <laughs> farther away. But, uh, yeah, it's not very fun. No, we have to, first of all, first things first, right, with the lineup, we, we have to set it somewhere mm. we, geographically. But before, just before we get to that, this is something I didn't really know about you. And I can't believe that this is, it's so remiss of me not to know this. But you spent quite a lot of your early life living in Scott McKenzie's San Francisco, didn't you? Till you were about nine years old, from being about five to being about nine, is that right? It was a bit younger than that. It was like kind of three to six oh, right. vibes, okay. more like, yeah, yeah. And then, and then because it was all to do with my dad's work, and then for a few years after that, he was still kind of, you know, little sort of hangovers of the work that he was going back for and stuff. So we'd go back a few times. Wow. Yeah, did, yeah. In my mind, it's, did that indelibly mark you as a kind of 60s hippie out of time, uh, you know, sort of enjoying that kind of West Coast American kind of music. Is that, did, did, is, is that just romantic of me to think that? No, no, there was definitely a bit of that. I mean, obviously I was really, I was really young, but I do remember getting in, you know, my, my dad's company car or whatever it was. You did like a bit of a ropey old Cadillac, nothing special, but they had, they all had these velvet seats, all the cars of the late 70s, early 80s. So, I mean, I definitely remember a life being in that car a lot, listening to, you know, mainstream rock radio. Yeah. It was always Fleetwood Mac, the Eagles. Uh, who was the supergroup with uh, Harrison and Roy Orbison? Oh, the uh, Travelling Wilburys. Yeah. You know, all that sort of stuff. And even like, yeah, Neil Young and, and, and those sort of things. So I, I remember a little period of sort of, yeah, kind of driving around in my dad's car, kind of living like an American kid. Yeah, it's quite weird. God. I did. But, you know, we came, I came back here so young, so... So now the sort of, yeah, the, the gloomy English life is, is fully ingrained <laughs> in me now. I've lost all, yeah. <laughs> I've lost all of the sun. You've, it's all been drained the, away, uh, hasn't it? The West Coast, yeah. Um, well, okay, so we, let's think about where in the world we're going to put our fictional festival. Well, yeah, it does lead me on nicely onto that, because I was thinking New York would be great oh, yeah. for this, right? Co like Coney Island. Oh, nice, Coney Island, baby. Could be kind of cool. Or Central Park. Mm. I just loved. I just loved New York. I we, I went. I took my kids there recently, and we just had a wild time. It was so good. How old were your kids when you took them there? Oh, this was last year, actually. So yeah, nineteen and fourteen. Yeah, and they they just had an absolute blast. Yeah. So I I love I love the city, and I thought 
Yeah, that'd be cool. That would work out. It's so we're we're not talking upstate New York. We're talking NYC, New York City. Yeah, you know Manhattan, New York City. I mean, I don't know where they do. I don't know where you could do a festival. You could do it in some sort of stadium. Yeah. But I thought Coney Island. I saw White Stripes in Coney Island in 2003. I think. Yeah, when when Elephant came out. I think it was then. Uh, and that was insane. That was amazing. What's it like? What Coney, When you say Coney Island, I can't I can't picture it. Is it a, what kind of a space is it? Well, it's like, a, you know, like amusement park vibes. So, yeah, you know, okay. rides and stuff and all that kind of thing. Oh, but brilliant. I think it was like an amphitheatre set up, you know, like 5,000, 6,000. Yeah. So, actually, this is a small festival. I've just realised it's a very small festival. No, that's like, that's, that okay? this is good because the, the, la- the right. last one we did was Joe Cornish and he completely broke with uh, TLU Convention, and he made his, uh, the Jazz Cafe in London, but at the foot of Mount, uh, the, the foot of Mount Fuji in Japan. Man, that, you can't mess around with it like that. I know. That's just, uh, it's, it's like a total free-for-all. <laughs> right, okay, in that case, I'm changing. No, <laughs> no, I like that. Coney Island, people get, it's a little bit like a Reading Festival vibe, but with fewer teenagers being sick. Uh, yeah. But still, you've got the amusement arcades and bits like yeah, that, more and candy rides floss. and stuff. Bit more, a little mm. bit more wholesome. Okay, so we're going to do it in Coney Island. That's fantastic. And we also need a name for it, Gaz. But you don't have to tell us straight away. We can decide <laughs> at the end. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh no, I mean, anything that comes to mind. I mean, it's got to be Gastonbury, right? Oh, uh, why? Why yeah. didn't? Why didn't it occur to me that it's really annoyed me? <laughs> <laughs> Gastonbury, it's you've thought about that before. Be well, about about half an hour ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It is Gastonbury. That's perfect because I'd written Coomover uh, or or perhaps uh, like Boardmasters, <laughs> Sideboard Masters. Uh, it's okay. a sort of tip to your you know, the days when you did have big sideboards. Yeah. But Gastonbury is even better. Brilliant. Okay, we've got a name. We've got a place. That's more than most people we've got with most people at this juncture. <laughs> Um, Motoring. Imminently, we're going to get the first band on, but not quite yet. And and the first band are going to come on really quite early in the morning. So just have that in your mind. But before mm. we get to that, you were just you were just mentioning your dad before. If I'm not mistaken, your dad was like a food scientist. <laughs> Is that have I got <laughs> no, that well, right? Mm, no, no rueful like laugh can, there from Gav. Well, no, well, Wikipedia got that wrong many years ago, but I, I've not bothered changing it because it's quite funny. But no, he well, he was he kind of was in that field, but more in a sort of sales okay. department way. He's uh, no, he wasn't kind of you know you picture something like Heston Blumenthal yeah. or whatever. It's it's not not quite that. Uh, so yeah, yeah, but he was always yeah always involved in that line of work. You know, yeah. just kind of. Like uh, medical supplies and things. Yeah, like that, yeah. You know? But he was, he liked okay, again. Ac- according to the sources that I've used, uh, exhaustive ones, <laughs> uh, he was a bit. Mu- he's a bit musical. Your dad, jazz piano, and your yeah, mum was yeah. an English teacher. So I'm imagining. Is it the obvious assumption that that's where a lot of this stems from? That it's uh, you know nature as well as nurture. That it's in the it's in the DNA a little bit. Words and music. I don't know about DNA. I mean, I think I think just environment for sure. Yeah, I think as a as a kid, all the parties that we'd have, mm. the, the, the family gatherings and stuff, there would always be. My uncles would bring their guitars down and just sit and play the classics, American Pie, and and uh, 
Buddy Holly. My uncle always loved doing Buddy, Buddy Holly and Elvis impressions and stuff. That was always, yeah, that's, that's kind of etched in my memory as a kid. And, and my dad getting on piano and playing Paul Anker. Uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was a part of it. But then, you know, as you get a bit older, other things, you know, friends come into it, older brothers and their record yeah. collections. And like yeah, I said, yeah. my uncles and their good music tastes. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of always around. Yeah, It's often uncles, isn't it? Like my, un- my uncles, Martin and Paul, dragged me. I was a very enthusiastic consumer, you know, but it was always my uncle Paul's record collection. It was always, look at that, the, the, the smell of patchouli in the bedroom, the bike magazines <laughs> on the floor, you know what I mean? It was Thin Lizzy, David Bowie, Led Zeppelin, and you're in, aren't you? It's, it's yeah, a great no, introduction. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And just, yeah, going into my brother's room and nicking all his... You know, Spaceman 3 and Chapter House cassettes and stuff and, you know, equally getting into music of the time as well when I was 13, you know, stuff that was that was out at that point uh, that made me want to be in a band or, you know, Dinosaur Junior, those kind of things. Let's just quickly talk about, about that then, about you being, you, you being a kid, a young kid in America, absorbing all that Americana firsthand, but then being supplanted back to the UK. Was that a difficult transition to be to, to all of a sudden be going to a totally different school in a different country was, was school a bit difficult you you were a bit of an outlier you're a bit of a strange one it seems to me ah, well you know i mean i was very young again i mean I, I i do remember it being weird i think it's probably uh, a little bit trickier for my older brothers you know doing mm. they came they came out of high school you know back into right. secondary state here that must have been kind of odd but no you know i was so young but I kind of brought back with me, like, you know, the Muppets and Sesame Street yeah. and my love for kind of American kids' TV. Oh, and, yeah. and actually mainly really the Muppets. So I kind of came back with a bit of, a, a bit of an obsession. And that sort of stays with you, because I remember even writing really early with Supergrass, we were listening to so many different things, you know, Zappa, the Beatles, Hendrix, but then, like, the Muppets or, like, you know... Uh, yeah. Cheech and Chong's Cheech and Chong comedy records, and so it was all. I suppose that yeah, some of that American, you know, American stuff. I think as, as a kid, probably more the comedy and 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 like yeah. I said, the kids shows and stuff that stayed with me. That's nice, um, isn't and, it? Because yeah. you you really see that in in Supergrass, don't you? That sort of and it's been well documented. That sort of that lovely balance between like classic songwriting brilliant delivery but also there's a sort of cartoonish element which is quite fun and of course then jim henson and it was jim henson wasn't it uh we worked with the henson people yeah for for pumping on your stereo and and in fact actually the same a lot of the same puppeteers that had been working in the in the 70s so a lot of those uh i mean it was just such an honor to sort of meet them you know to find out that they'd been doing it for decades you know it wasn't the new the new generation of puppeteers these were the these are the sort of the old guard the legends um so i think yeah the uh, the lady who used to do miss piggy's i don't know part of miss piggy or something yeah. was doing my right leg you know and, <laughs> and, uh, and it, yeah it was just a beautiful thing miss piggy's arms have animated my right leg i mean something just... like that i can't you know that's but that's about right yeah <laughs> check one testing is everybody ready yet? Yeah? We good? Let's get on with the show. It's Coney Island. Who's the first act that we're going to get on to Gastonbury? Um, I think a great opening act would be to get everyone... Get, I think ESG, 
Well, from New York, from the Bronx, New York. Mm. Um, I think if they opened up the show, ESG, come on, do their thing. Just gets everyone dancing. Yeah. Special guest appearance from Terry Hall. I thought this, and I thought about this earlier. I thought this was a genius collaboration because I think Terry, God bless him, he would just make it. I don't know. There's something about his delivery that I think yeah. would fit beautifully with ESG. So yeah, dream collaboration that never happened. But you're absolutely right, though. This it was a, it was a colossal shock, wasn't it? Just before Christmas. Oh um, no, it's awful. Yeah, yeah. I'm presuming that you must have. Put cross paths with Terry at some point. Not, you know, not very much. No, we did um, briefly in in a, in a festival last year. Actually, it was, uh, and I, I loved loved watching the performance. I loved watching them play, and um, so yeah, it was the last time. Well, there was was he with the specials then as well? Yeah, yeah. 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 Come back. Yeah. We saw them. Yeah. Do, they did a special show at the Hundred Club in 2019, and it was just unbelievable to be that close. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, yeah. And no, totally, I was out front dancing away. It was, it was hammering it down with rain. And uh, me and Danny were just out front. We played our gigs, so we thought we'd go out front and, and, and watch the specials. It was brilliant. Loved it. Got soaking wet, just dancing around like, like idiots. <laughs> but uh, it was a beautiful thing, yeah. But, I did, yeah, I just when I thought about that, I thought, yeah, Terry Hall's vocal with ESG, I think there's a sort of delivery thing that would work beautifully. And, yeah, what, what a way to open the show, I think. Beautiful. As you say, there's that sort of punk dance energy that ESG bring but then that that's what is it about Terry's delivery was that it, was so magical like a, yeah it's like a throwaway-ish delivery yeah you know, which ESG have as well you know it's kind of like what is the song um oh yeah like you're no you're no good or whatever you're no yeah. good you're no good and it's just the, the sort of slack delivery which I love as well yeah yeah you're right the the rhythm section is always it's like my god they, you would think they'd do another take on that the first time you hear it, I think, oh, <laughs> yeah. that's so loose. Those drum fills, it's the drum fills. It's a digga 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 You know, it's kind of, I love those things. But then, you know, I could, I, they could do Gangsters. With, you know, we'll tell you, they could play that. I think ESG could play, you know, yeah. be the backing band for, yeah, yeah. for Terry hitting that one or something. I could see that working well. That's brilliant. You mentioned um, Goffy then. It's almost a bromance really to begin with, wasn't it? What was it like the first time you set, set eyes on the beautiful... Teenage face of Danny Goffey. I cried. I cried. I literally <laughs> cried. No, I didn't. Um, I don't know. He was. Uh, he was in a. He was, was it two years above me, and he was. Um, he was. He was quite slender as a, as a teenager, Danny. And, and so he he'd sort of made friends with some sort of some of the bigger boys in his year, and uh, he, I think he quite liked that for protection. A bit like a sort of yeah yeah. Mm. So he sort of bonded with a couple of these these hard lads and then uh I can't remember really how we met I think I think he he'd heard that I did a bit of singing or something or like oh no I, I, he always sort of says he spotted me and saw this weird little sort of baby faced kid with sideburns and thought I looked really weird yeah and I suppose it went from there really it's down on record Gaz that you did think he was kind of beautiful really at that time you know like sort of a- yeah yeah, I think those I eyes. Say, yeah, I mean, how can you not? How could you not be taken away by the beauty in those eyes? Those little doughy eyes. Yeah, you fall into them. It's a bit like a young McCartney mm. vibe, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know those doughy eyes. And and but yeah. you being the youngest, and obviously with Mickey a bit later on, and and Rob and stuff. You is is it a bit of a George Harrison vibe at this point? Are you are you like the sort of is are you the the youngster trying to prove yourself, or were you immediately right? 
right front and centre. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd, we'd done a lot. I mean, we'd had a few bands. Me and Danny, you know, started off when we were 12 years old playing in the drama studio at school and just playing loads of punk songs and, and the gig getting all sort of broken up because people were dancing too hard and, you know, there was too much moshing. And so that was our first experience of it. It was, yeah, it was quite a punk rock experience of, yeah. of the headmistress breaking up the gig. So it's kind of a perfect introduction, introduction. to rock and roll. I, I, I was talking to someone the other day actually about the gig I remember my voice breaking when we were playing in Sonning Common in Reading at this outdoor festival yeah. thing and there was loads of punk bands and heavy metal bands and we were called we called ourselves the Stoneheads just for one show um, and uh, we just had cover versions a couple of our own songs one, one song we had called You Keep Punching Me which was good punk <laughs> really good punk song and I think at one point I was yeah we were singing I was singing the Cure song Catch yeah, you know, it was all I going remember. really well. Do, 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 and I was kind of like singing along, going, and then it just, my voice just suddenly went like halfway through the song. Uh, That's incredible so, yeah, that you were singing little moments singing, like that, doing a gig when your voice broke. That's just such yeah. a <laughs> epochal moment, isn't it? I, uh, it was brilliant. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, I, was, I got it ripped out of me, as you'd imagine. But uh, who's la- who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? And it reminds me, I don't know if you've ever seen the episode of The Simpsons and there's just a brilliant sequence where Grandpa Simpson is remembering young Homer and how he used to have an angelic singing voice and he's singing Uh, in a choir. Do you know what? It was like that. Now, does that happen to him, right? Yeah, and it kind of goes halfway through. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And Christ was born. So that was you. I love that. Yeah. Drawing on those moments for a bit, like, were, were drugs a sort of an important part of, of your creative awakening? Don't do drugs, kids, obviously. Because, you know, I sort of equate sleepy satellite towns and fields and farmers and lovely country pubs with sort of bored kids and drugs. Is that fair or correct in any way? I think it's fair. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think we were all brought up pretty well. You know, I think we kind of had fun and and experimented. I mean, yeah, we were teenagers in a sleepy village. I suppose it didn't help matters that next door over at the row of cottages were a couple of de- couple of dealers and sort of old rockers and uh, and a mad doctor and uh, some guy who who got throw, thrown out of the army and it was quite a an interesting row of cottages. And so, you guys uh, used to sort of go and hang out around there, didn't you, when you were yeah. teens? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I just used to go and uh, get out of the house and, and wander over there and... And see what was going on, but those that our, you know, our first rehearsals of Supergrass took place in those in those uh, cottages, and yeah, you know, we had a, we had a good time, you know, yeah. But, I mean, my, but, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, we we got through it, and we didn't. No one went, you know, too mental, sort of, which is there's good. There's a sort of innocence about it as well. It, it, it seems to me, like I'm almost imagining Danny from Withnall and I. Uh, being, being being in you know the, your hairs are your aerials, you know. He would have fit. He would, yeah, he would have fit perfectly over there for sure. But you know, I mean, they were all nice. You know, they were all yeah. nice people, man. These, these guys were nice people. They were a lot older than us, but you know, they they looked after us as well. They, no, no one kind of took the piss, and yeah. So we experimented, yeah, a lot, yeah. And um, yeah. I, I don't want to necessarily glamorize it. It was just the way it was, you know. Yeah. I don't know what what impact it had on the music or 
it's just it's just environment you know it all it's all part of the same thing you know yeah of course and i, I always think at this point that you're describing you know it was still an analog world that we were all living in really wasn't it so it was, there was a kind of yeah. an innocence that doesn't really exist for kids anymore perhaps i don't think perhaps kids these days are a bit too exposed to things i wonder yeah i mean it's i'm still still Getting to grips with yeah, with with, with how the changes are, are affecting the kids or my kids, if you like, it's still I feel like we're right in the, the kind of eye of the storm at the moment, and uh, let certain elements settle before you can kind of work it out. But but yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that I always love about looking back to when we first started recording with Supergrass or signing with EMI and doing our first album, first maybe two albums, they were recorded like albums were recorded way way back you know yeah. decades earlier you know the, whatever the 40s 50s on yeah. on two inch tape through an analog you know recording desk and and it really wasn't long till all that was gone it was kind of literally the end of the 90s so you know maybe 98 99 i think digital recording became more yeah. of the norm so yeah I feel pretty kind of pretty privileged to yeah. you know being a part of that yeah it's it's quite mad before it became obviously you know retro or you can you, know, yeah, you can yeah. record on tape now but it, that's right, because I've always found, I mean, I, I'm still trying to work out whether I should go to Real World Studios or Torag Studios to record my first solo album, Gaz, you know. I, nice. I like that oh, idea, you know. Great. Have you been yeah. in? Yeah, it's brilliant, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love to, because that's the White Stripes. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, it's a brilliant, uh, brilliant setup, great sound, yeah. I think we did, I think we did a couple of B-sides there, oh. maybe sort of 15, 20 years ago. There you yeah, go. Wicked. Oh, okay. Well, that's a recommendation from you, so I'll take Do it. it. I want to hear this album as well, yeah. Oh, don't what, worry. What are you me. thinking? What vibes What vibes is it going to be? He's turned the tables on me, listener. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's difficult to pin down when you, mm. you know, you know, it's like your first album. You know, yeah. you've, you've been you've been percolating it for, I mean, in your case, maybe 19 years, in mine, 50. Um, yeah. So it There's really is. Get through. It is. It's kind of like classic rock calypso techno, I think. Yeah, awesome. You know, so that's exactly the- what I was gonna. That's what I was imagining. <laughs> So we, here we are, we're back in Coney Island and Gaz uh, has, Gastonbury has already seen ESG uh, performing with Terry Hall. But as we get, we sort of, we're getting towards mid-morning now and we're thinking mm. we need a second Mat- act. Matinee, matinee yeah. time, second act. What, what about over on, maybe over on the kids' stage at Ooh. that midday, Spinal Tap <laughs> with, uh, with special guests Bad News. Oh, oh man! Or oh, even Colin, even special guest Colin Rick Mail, special guest with oh. Spinal Tap, uh, over on the over on the uh, kids' tent, because of course it would have to <laughs> it would have to be some sort of adverse situation that they need to deal with, right? You yeah, can't just put them on the main stage and it will be nice and lovely. <laughs> um, I love. But the I, fact. you know, I mean, genuinely, I'd love I'd love to see Spinal Tap. Like, you know, probably never will now, but. Would have been bonkers. I had a, a a really privileged experience years ago when I went. I was called over to Hyde Park to a porter cabin to interview Spinal Tap, and and it was the guys in character. So it was it was Christopher Amazing. Guest, Michael Amazing. McKean, Harry Shearer, and they spent 
from the moment that we got there to the moment we left, they were completely and utterly, um, <laughs> I'm going to forget the names now, David St. Hubbins, Nigel Tufnell, um, and of course, uh, lukewarm water, Harry Shearer, uh, Harry Shearer's character, I've just temporarily forgotten the name of. Um, and uh, uh, it was incredible. And then right at the good. end, as we, yeah. as we were leaving, uh, Harry Shearer pulled me over and came out of character and sort of went, um, uh, you work for Six Music, don't you? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, um, can you put me in contact with Andrew Collins? I absolutely love his show. He's, he's so obsessed <laughs> with like with radio and with Andrew Collins' radio show. He, was, he had to come out of character to talk to me about it. But oh, that's brilliant. He's such a lo- such lovely fellas. Amazing. Look, going back to what you were saying about bringing that sort of comedy stuff from America with you. So... He, 1982 that came out so you, I guess you, mm. you you would have been really young when it came out yeah. did you do a lot of watching Spinal Tap on VHS when you were a kid as well yeah yeah definitely I mean I think I probably first saw it in, you know maybe like 12 years old or something mm. you know kind of it's one of those movies that does the rounds but yeah like I said along with you know like yeah there's Cheech and Chong records or I mean even Derek and Clive for a bit I don't know how that <laughs> I don't know how that would go down these days, but... Not at the yeah, kids' tent. Uh, yeah, maybe not. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, just uh, so quotable. And um, even the, it's just always the little subtle quotes and, and the, the subtle moments that are just so glorious and the delivery and the performances. It's just uh, it's quite something. I feel something. like I've got to reenact one now. I know this is audio. And, and, tonight I'm going to rock gonna, it. I'm not. But why, why don't you just make 10 louder? <laughs> and, but this goes to 11. Uh, have you seen any Spinal Tap? action backstage in your life have you have you have you actually done anything spinal do you mean if i had tiny bread in the dressing room (laughs) i can't fold more than four times yeah oh man have i had tiny bread so much of it (laughs) especially in the in in the low countries scandinavians love tiny bread. oh i love a tiny very dark brown bread Yeah. yeah small salami sorry that's the title of my next album uh just uh, yeah, all sorts of things like that. Do you, you must you must have been witness to some over the. I mean, because let's face facts, you were kids when you started. For Christ's sake, you know, ninety three, ninety four, and you've been huge since then. Really, very prominent. You must have seen some pretty spinal tapish behaviour from from some rock stars over the years. I'm just wondering if. I mean, I one of the most bizarre moments I had was singing karaoke with Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. Uh, in Beijing and uh, what I loved about that was that when I met him we actually got on really well it was quite mad but when I met him and he started talking to me he talks like he sings in that set so he was kind of like hey guys how you doing what's going on like that with this kind of uh, I thought that was quite funny and then we uh, we ended up being in this karaoke room bunch of people and and he was there Uh, we thought let's get up and, and do a song so yeah, we did come together by the Beatles. Oh. He, took a, he took a verse, I took a verse, and then we joined in the chorus. That's we we amazing. literally came together. I mean, no <laughs> shit, no, I didn't mean to say that. We just came. <laughs> we kept. We yeah. We, we started singing together. Amazing. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. That is a lovely vision because I wouldn't put Sebastian back and Supergrass next to each other but that, that's what I love about the musician fraternity you know you can get thrown together with all kinds of people and you you get on with nearly everybody really don't you there are yeah. very few people who are dickheads was, aren't there yeah he was sound he was sound that was a crazy gig actually the first seven rows of that festival were were taken up with uh, <clears throat> Chinese military uh, all in their 
their uniforms and stuff. And the audience were way back behind them, like kind of, you know, a couple of hundred metres further back. Very strange. And what was the reaction of the crowd like? Because I, I, I've never been up. Yeah, it was just a normal festival, man. You know, they were, they were up for it. It was, they were it was up for great. It. Yeah. I mean, we had to sort of vet... They had to vet all our lyrics before we flew over, which is quite strange, you know, to, before, you know, we got, we got the final festival booking. You know, they need to check lyrics that there's nothing uh, untoward that doesn't fit with, uh, with uh, yeah, with how they look at things. But, yeah, it's kind of strange. But it ended up being a brilliant trip. Yeah, one to remember. I must, whilst we're on the subject of meeting, uh, you know, having Spinal Tapish rock star moments, I'm sure I read somewhere, you've already mentioned The Cure. You did meet... Robert Smith on a, on a flight once is that right didn't you mm. didn't you have a sort of mutual respect moment on a flight with Robert Smith because you've obviously been a fan of his for a long time what was that like yeah it was amazing. yeah that was on the way to Brazil I think it was January 95 we flew over to do Hollywood Rocks Festival this huge stadium in Rio um the cure we're headlining and uh, and yeah we were just uh, sat back in economy and I suddenly no- <laughs> noticed him walking down the aisle to- towards us it's like, hey, it's, it's Rob Smith. And, uh, and he, he just came and um, said hello and said, do you mind if I sit down? And then, um, so he sat next to me back in economy. I guess they were all up in business or whatever. But he, he stayed and chatted for most of the flight. Yeah, we drank a lot of red wine, you know, a couple of little sleeping tablets. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but then we sort of had these mad chats these sort of, yeah, just mad conversations. I can't really remember a lot of them because it got really no. trashed on the plane. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, which is kind of sad to not actually remember what we talked about. But then it kind of called in a way that I don't really remember. And, and yeah. it was just this fuzzy sort of nine hours um, talking to one of my heroes, you know? I mean, this guy was on my wow. bedroom wall a couple of years earlier. And, um, That's just... and then we were talking about guitars and you know, and, and, and music and going to Brazil and, and all these sort of things that, yeah. And he was, yeah, just into our band and, and was kind of excited to see us play. So it was cool when we did the show and he was watching from the side of the stage. Oh. And when I walked off, I, I remember he, he sort of said, that's great, that was really cool. Reminded, and he said it reminded um, him of, of them when they started out. Because obviously oh they were three-piece, you know, a bit more punky when they started. Yeah. And, yeah. But oh, he's, so he was a joy. He was just a joy. Yeah, love that. I love that guy. Phenomenal he's just band. so good. His voice is just still kind of flawless. You know, it's just still sounds as as great as it ever did. And yeah, I always think as well as a guitar player. Obviously, you would you cite people like Hendrix and you cite people like Wes Montgomery or BB um, King and say you only need to hear a couple of notes and it's them. It's the same with Robert Smith's guitar playing. I mean, it's not virtuosic. But his tone is just immediately, you know, it's him, don't you? It's just straight yeah. away. Yeah, totally. And even, you know, when they're doing, I mean, one of the first Cure albums I, get into, I got into was 17 Seconds, which is not such a band-sounding mm. record. But, yeah, on there, all of the, the little guitar motifs and um, those kind of intros. Uh, I think he might be playing a Fender 6 for... Uh, no, yeah, Fender 6 for quite a lot of those... Moments that sort of not not baritone, like baritone, yeah, guitar, that kind of thing. thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very trademark Robert Smith. Yeah, oh, beautiful. No, a bit of a bit of housekeeping here. We're back to Coney Island. All right. No, you did say that the Spinal Tap and Bad News, brilliant idea to have them both together, are playing on the kids' stage. Yeah. So does that infer that there is somebody playing on the main stage at this point? Um, there could be. 
if, if you'd like there to be. <laughs> well, no. I'm, I, in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say I don't know where we're at. That's that. That's where we're, we're, we're mid morning and Spinal Tap and Bad News. Okay, are doing a lovely set, and the kids are particularly enjoying it because it's slapstick, bad bottom, uh, big bottom, yep. bad bottoms are different, like a B side, I think. <laughs> so uh, main stage. Hmm. How about I tell you what? Another collab I thought yeah. was brilliant. So we have got Television and Patty Smith. Um, oh come on! Supergroup, right? Performing yeah. songs from Marky Moon and Horses, like together. Bloody hell! And then you know they're around the same sort of period as well, same sort of time. Yeah, I think well, Horses was like seventy-five. Television, uh, Marky Moon was a bit later, seventy-seven, maybe seventy-eight. But yeah, I th- I just think I that would be a beautiful thing together. I wonder if they have. Do you think they've ever played together? I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like the sort of thing that should have happened, right? Mm. Mm. I mean, one of the last people that we had on in, in the hot seat was uh, Johnny Marr. And he... Oh, I love Johnny. He chose, Pat, he chose Patty as well. Oh, yeah? For obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. But that you, you're right. It's it's that particular... Mo- and, and, and they're in New York, so I guess they're going to be right in the jaws of the beast there, aren't they? This, the television and Patty Smith playing in Coney Island just... Yeah, you know, just a few miles away yeah, from like where they, they first hit the ground running, really. And Tom Verlaine and Patty Smith, I don't know, there's a similar delivery as well. Maybe this is like the Terry Hall and the SG yeah. thing, but there's like, I think, you know, Patty Smith could sing, you know, Venus to Milo or. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, they could swap rhymes. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. And there two, is a two of my favourite bands, anyway. So there we go. Yeah. Because there is a, an almost like a sort of yelp to the voice. Of uh, Tom yeah. and Patty Smith, yeah, yeah. fit vibrato. And for me, uh, yeah, and, and it's that it's that guitar interplay as well. Richard Lloyd, I love and it. And together is just yeah, so incredible, isn't it? Actually, I, I, mean, I might have to also put Nick Fowler, my uh, the, the guy I play guitar with in my band. He's got to go in that band because he just it would blow his mind to play with Television because they're also one of his favourite bands. So I thought I'd oh, slip that nice. one in there, yeah. So Nick oh, on the third guitar. That. Yeah. And then at the end, what happens is Tom Verlaine turns around to Nick and he says, what are you doing for the next uh, 18 months? Would you like to come on tour with me? And then you've got a problem. Oh, yeah. And then, and then, because he's and like, then Nick just faints and then there's suddenly like, he <laughs> just loses it because he probably would. <laughs> oh, what a moment to pause on. Don't worry, we'll be back at the festival in a moment or as soon as I've taken a moment to indulge in. Flang. Let's drop that name. My Fender 1957 reissue Seafoam Green. There he is again. Or should I say she? Stratocaster from the American Vintage 2 series of guitars helping bring you the lineup this season. Just incidentally, just pause for a moment. If this were my fantasy festival right now, which it isn't, allow me to have my moment in the sun on the stage. It's eight o'clock in the morning, it's Woodstock, and Jimi Hendrix is to the right of the stage with his white Stratocaster, Olympic white Stratocaster, and he's wailing. Camera pans to me on the left-hand side of the stage, and I'm playing this Seafoam Green American 2 
vintage Stratocaster. I'm playing pedestrian blues licks because that's all I can manage, but this sounds so sweet and beautiful because of the gear. And that was my own personal fantasy festival moment. So thank you for that. But it is Fender time. You might be getting a bit familiar with my Seafone Green 57 Strat, but back off, this one's all mine. Luckily, though, there's a whole family of Fenders out there. Telecasters, Jazzmasters, there's a jazz bass. A left-handed, no problem. Need to coordinate with an outfit? Also not a problem. Though personally, what doesn't go with Daphne Blue or Dakota Red? I don't want to wear, you know. Before we pop back to the festival field, see and hear the American Vintage 2 series in action at fender.com forward slash the lineup. We've already got, we've had ESG and Terry Hall, and then we've got, for the second part of the morning, Spinal Tap and Bad News on one side and the kids' stage and Television and Patty Smith on the other. As we roll up to lunchtime at this perfect festival, Gastonbury, What's the cuisine du jour? The, what would you what would you be liking to be eating in this this perfect festival? Um, we always ask this. We need to know. I think it's probably got to be like uh, I mean it's Coney Island, right? So like corn dogs and candy floss and soda soda pop. Corn dogs, candy floss, and soda pop. <laughs> I like that. You said it when, better than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when you were when you were little, yeah, did, were you were you were you hooked on? on all that stuff as you know as a younger almost like an american kid uh yeah you know pp and j sandwiches yeah definitely yeah that's pb and j that's with the crust cut off um <laughs> yeah definitely something i remember from being a kid that and you know chocolate yeah. chip cookies and and like oh you know horrific colored cereals that probably had just way <laughs> too much sugar in them uh, yeah. Well, they were the early adopters of bad eating, weren't they? I mean, we, we, something that we've only come to much later in in life, isn't it? Over here, those mm. ridiculous. See, I still, whenever I walk down Oxford Street with the with the with the boys, with, the, with my older kids, they're not real interested in any shops apart from the American candy shops. God, they just they make them look so enticing, don't they? You know. Yeah, I know. I've got. I we have to sort of walk very quickly past those. Yeah, before it gets too. Too crazy, but yeah. No wonder you have to have a good dental plan in America, is it, really? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. With all that sugar on offer, you know. Um, okay. And just before we go any further, right, mm. this is a shudder, woulda, coulda moment. Uh, I, until I was 24, I honestly believed, Gaz, that I was going to be a rock star. And then I was, it, came, it suddenly came to me in a lightning bolt flash of divine inspiration that I wasn't going to be a rock star, <laughs> so I had to do something else. I'm sure I read in an interview with you that you used to make elaborate mixtapes for, you know, for girlfriends and stuff, including homemade, like, little sort of uh, stings and things between the songs. Do you think that you were a bit of a frustrated broadcaster, maybe? Do you think that you, in another world, taking another path, in another world, we could swap? I could, I could have been the rock star and you could have been the broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Do you think that you might have fancied that? I, 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 I maybe. I mean, I was making these. These things were not. I don't know if they were broadcast ready. You know, I, <laughs> I think they were. You know, just seeing like how many burps I could do in sort of ten seconds or something, and then going into straight into you know Tina Turner Thunderdome or something. I don't know. You know, I'm making yeah, really yeah, weird yeah, tapes yeah, yeah. of things, but uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe I could sort of try and pull out the old cassettes. See if it inspires oh, yeah. me to inspires me forward into the, into. Could you would you I, help honestly, me out if I could, wanted to get into the into that business? Well, look the way the way it works. We could help each you know other out. It works. 
Exactly. If you could give me a, a few hours in Torag Studios with the guitars, help me layer some tracks up, then I can I can help polish your your intros and outros. All right. Great. Great. It, Maybe less of the the deal is done. Less of the manic burping sessions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'd certainly. I wouldn't bother with that. Um, okay, so we've we've had some candy floss and corn dogs. We're full of fizzy pop. We've <laughs> just seen television in Patty Smith. It's after lunch now. Who should we put on as what is technically act number three out of five? I would say. Who 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 should it be? Oh, is this only three out of five? Okay. Well, unless no, no, I've got a few we, hanging yeah. around. Oh right, I've well, got. There you uh, go then. What's just what should I go for? With it? Um, so what time is this? Like mid afternoon. Yeah, so it's mid afternoon. It's beautiful afternoon, by the way. It's I'd say it's about as, as the Americans would say it, uh, seventy five degrees. You know, <laughs> it's really nice. It's real t shirt and shirts weather. Seventy five degrees in the shade. What about? I tell you what. I tell you what. Stevie Wonder and his band from nineteen seventy four. That that band. Thank you. There's so many. Thank you. There's an amazing TV performance. Where is it? It's um. Oh, I think it's from in Bremen or something, 1974, yeah. on YouTube. And I've loved this performance for so many years. It's just, there's something about it. The energy of that band, it's just unreal. You know, like, so, I think uh, I watched Living for the City, which is just such an amazing performance, brilliant version. But that band of that time, I think, hitting, hitting the stage mid-afternoon, I think that would be glorious. Have you ever seen him? No, 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 I've never, never seen him live, no. I've seen him a couple of times and um, he's one of those people, isn't he? He's one of those performers who, a bit like we were saying with Robert Smith before, there's been absolutely no discernible drop-off in any of his performing powers, which is really odd, isn't it? Because mm. nearly every human, nearly every adult, especially males, especially with the voice, yeah, it's a thing that happens, isn't it? I don't know what happens, whether they contract or lengthen or whatever but that your, your voice changes your voice box changes and the, <clears> the voice chords but stevie wonder sounds exactly the same as he did in 1971 he's unbelievable Incredible. and I, I know exactly what what performance you're talking about the drummer in particular is and uh spe- yeah and the guitarist this the big this big dude uh on guitar he's got this huge i can't remember what they're called is it one of those big national or one of those big sort of semi-acoustic guitars yeah and he's also doing a little synth line on like living for the city, you know the doodle Yeah, amazing. Just such a brilliant performance. But yeah, I think those guys and the backing singers are just so good. In fact, what yeah. I might do though is I might replace the backing singers. I might get yeah. get the girls who perform with me live, the Roxies. I'm gonna get them into the band. Because I think they'd be the great. Yeah. I enjoyed your performance uh, not long before Christmas actually. Um young Matt Everett and I popped along. Oh, to and, uh, Lafayette, yeah. Lafayette, which I'd never been to before. She's a wonderful little venue as well, it's isn't it? It's a good spot, uh, isn't it? King's yeah. Crossway. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's just it's so great to watch, you know, you perform your new material, which is just so unbelievably strong. So, that and that's another sort of question, really. Oh, thanks, man. A side order question. You're in an enviable position because, obviously, you've, you're still part of, you know, I think it's fair to say a, a sort of a legendary band in this country, Supergrass, but you've also built this very strong solo career. So how do you, how does it, it's an obvious question, but how, do, how does the artist work out what materials for who, how much energy goes where? Is it just something that happens naturally? You don't have to think about it? Yeah, I mean, you know, when, I, when, I, when we split in 2010, 
yeah, I suppose I had no, I had no idea what I was going to do or, or that it was going to be any kind of solo career. It, it wasn't why I left the band. So um, it was just kind of a little bit of feeling around for a few months and then just started to write songs. So that's just sort of what happens anyway. It's just, it's part of my life and it's what I love to do. So that was a kind of natural thing to, you know, get together some, some tracks and see if I could put an album out, you know, without any real idea of what I wanted from it. So as it's gone forward, I mean, obviously I had that 10 years really without anything happening with Supergrass. So I could, you know, just focus on this part of life and, and evolving my sort of style and my sound and my writing and, and, and working on all of those things. So I kind of worked pretty hard for that first sort of five years. And then 2015 when Matador hit, it was a great moment because it just did really well as a record. I didn't expect it, but it did really well. And I think that just gave me a lot of, you know, gave me a lot of confidence moving forward, you know, just to, this is working, you know, I'm just doing my thing. I'm being myself. This is, I'm just being expressive and, and people are digging it. That's an interesting thought that because it, it must be quite a scary moment when you you step out from being a band because you're a band of brothers almost in fact literally to some degree mm. you've got each other's backs and there, there, obviously there are disagreements and there are problems in all bands and all groups of people and sometimes you need time away from each other but to step away from a big thing like supergrass and to it's like when mike this is a very old uh, reference culturally but mike yarwood at the end of mm. his show and this is me you know, I'm not. I'm not doing the impressions anymore. Mm. Is is it a bit like jumping off a cliff? That is it quite exposing to be just Gaz Coombs as opposed to being part of Supergrass. No, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm loving it personally. I'm I I, I don't know. It's uh, I think yeah, sure. If 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 there's tough moments or or you know, right back at the beginning, I was doing gigs, you know, with like 40, 50 people there or something, and you know, yeah, I have to feel that weight on my own I guess yeah I, I can't sort of share that disappointment with a band you know where you like you said you're all you're all brothers and you can you can share that disappointment of a, of a shit gig or low ticket sales or, or um, uh, you know a bad review or any of those things and stuff but yeah you know that's I think if anything that's probably all it is it can be you know the, the, the weight the weight of Maybe the neg- anything negative can be difficult to deal with just on your own. Oh, I've been very lucky to have had a, a good run of it, you know, and, and, and the records have gone down well. And, and so it's been really exciting and, and just musically, just really satisfying, I guess, you know, just to, yeah. to make, some, make some weird music and put it into a record and yeah. put it out there. I mean, not, you know, not really overthink it all too much, just, like I said, to sort of be myself and try and be as expressive as I can. In, in, in the most direct and honest way, you know. Do you need space to create? Your your compatriot, Danny uh, Goffey, talking about his latest record, you know, this sort of, uh, he's done this thing, Brian Moon, yeah, yeah. hasn't he? It's, where it's like an alter ego. Yeah. And it's very funny and stuff. And it's it's good tunes. Yeah. Uh, but he, I, I talked to, to a little bit to him about it and he was, you know, obviously the kind of the, the conceit of the, the comedy in it is that he's this kind of rock star, Brian, uh, but sort of on a, a relatively low tier, and he, in fact, most of his life is taken up with his the the, the mundanity and the minutiae of actual life, the family life yeah. of like going to get the toilet roll for his wife, or you know, and and that's making it difficult for him to create. Uh, you know, he's like, did, did Jimmy Page 
have to stop to clean up the dog sick halfway through yeah. trying to remember his rift of stairway to heaven. Is that a battle that you've had to face over the years? Like, I've got to finish this album, love, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's 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 the nature of it, if, especially recording at home. You know, I'm not kind of disappearing off to a, a fancy studio in the countryside for sort of three months. And, you know, but life's, you know, life's different now. Life's sort of, I always think, you know, when you get older, it's kind of, I think it's more interesting than it's ever been life in a way. And I think that's just because more things come in, you know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just talking about kids or, or or stuff like that, but life becomes more complicated and, and I feel maybe more people are in, one's life and and there's just more colour and I think life as a sort of 25 year old in a weird way or as exciting as it was it was quite kind of closed off it's just in that one area yeah you know I wasn't yeah dealing with the sort of realities of of the rest of life being quite tough or or or, or you know yeah. keeping an eye on my daughter and making sure you know or looking after a friend who's not feeling good or any of those things that as you get older yeah, I think life kind of ramps up and gets more exciting. There's more in there and there's more sort of colour. So I think it's quite fun. I suppose that's what this album's about, you know, is writing about life, but definitely not definitely not writing about just being a dad or, or being 46. I think that's kind of ridiculous. I think, you know, there's so much more, there's so much more out there. Yeah. This, this album's about kind of everything that, that I go through and that I'm interested in and that I'm passionate about, you know. Absolutely. Hey, Sean, can I, a bigger can I sort of, can I yes. hold for, t- for one minute? No, naturally. Sorry, I've got my, I've got one. Don't worry, don't worry. I've got we'll one of them here. at the studio door here waiting to start, ask me something. One sec. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Who was it? Wasn't Eno again, was it? Oh, it was just Mick Brian. It was just Mick Jagger popping over for a cup of sugar. <sighs> oh, brown sugar. Have you got any brown yeah. sugar? Oh, we don't play no, that Mick, anymore. I'm all out. I keep telling you, I haven't got any. He's just looking for an excuse for a chat. I just can still move. It's time for the, the sunset moment. Uh, the sun is setting on beautiful Coney Island, right? And. Um, right. I mean, I think I was a damn good choice. That '74 era Stevie Wonder, that specific German TV performance band, would be ridiculous. So, how do you follow it? Who do you put on after that? I think so. The sun's setting. I think it's got to be Neil Young. Now, is it Neil Young, Crazy Horse, or maybe Neil Young with the White Stripes oh, as okay. the backing band? Okay, Bloody Neil God. Young and the White Stripes playing songs from '69 to '75 with a guest performance from Death Row Hamburger, which is uh, mine and my good friend Rob Rouse. We've got a band together. We've got a two-piece hard rock band. I did not know this. Yeah. So um, we've got a little band that we, we, yeah, we call Death Row Hamburger, and I reckon we could... I mean, only because we sort of sound like <laughs> Young and the White Stripes, <laughs> that I think it would probably go quite well, yeah. I mean, if I, if I type Death Row Hamburger into a streaming service, will it pop up? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. There's been nothing released yet. No, Time. there never will be. Okay, there never will be. That we're no, we're sort of anti, mm. anti rock band. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one, no one is ever going to hear any of it. But that's the beauty. That's kind of what makes it genius. Do you and Rob Rouse ever do little pub gigs, or is it just in somebody's garage? Yeah, it's mainly in his garage. Mm. Yeah. Does he live near uh, you, then, Rob? No, no. He's up up in uh, up, north. up up in the yeah Derbyshire. Mainly in his garage, or sometimes when they come down here as well. Yeah. We like to uh, like to dust off the SG and the octave I'm pedal. So jealous. Oh. Off we go. 
You should come round. Yeah, I think, I mean, in recent months we've been discussing, do we need another, maybe another guitarist? But, um, yeah. I think that you do. Um, <laughs> I, 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 not because you, only in the sense that I, I need to muscle in on that. I mean, yeah. it sounds, it's a similar kind of vibe to my um, ancillary band, Bint's Me, which is a super group Brilliant. involving Matt Everett of menswear and Mark King of Level 42. Sweet. And we do, we do dad rock, you know. Yeah. But but you, are you specific, uh, Defro Hamburger sp- specifically doing Neil Young covers? No, no, we will, uh, well, we'd sort of do covers. We're trying to write our own. We've got loads of song titles, but we haven't written anything yet. I'd love to hear some of them. They're all sort of like, you know, a light salad and stuff. They're all sort of meals based. They're all, yeah, death row meals right. sort of thing. So each song title is a different... So you, yeah. if I came to you with a song and it's it was it was Neil Young inflected and it was the title was something like a deep fried peanut butter sandwich, would yeah. that, that be that's the kind the of thing? Of, that's the sort of stuff that will get onto the album, yeah. Great. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. I'm up for that. I'm not a, a completist of Neil Young, although... Obviously, I understand how great he is, and I like. I'm a bit. I'm a sort of a fair weather Neil Young fan. I've got after the Gold Rush, obviously. You know what I mean. And t- tonight's the night. You know, the brilliant mm-hmm. looking record. So you must have seen him live, I guess, over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few times actually. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he's another. He's an, another guy who just doesn't seem to. Uh, yeah, change his sort of outlook, his his, his delivery, his his intention, and, and that you know the way that he, he he goes about it. It's it's um the same as it ever was, which is brilliant. Yeah, so I've seen him in a few different versions. You know, on his own with an acoustic, I've seen him with Crazy Horse uh, a few times. Played a festival once where he was on the same bill, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, you know, I've just been a, a, a yeah. He was sort of my musical hero, really. He sort of kind of still is. I mean, I've got. As you get older, you, you kind of discover other things. But he was my inspiration for playing guitar. Because I didn't think I was very good on guitar when I was like 15, 16. I was kind of okay. I was playing a lot of chords and we were in a, a three-piece band. So I was the only guitarist. So I was just playing a lot of chords, power chords and things. Yeah. So and not much space or room for, for solos. Yeah. So when I did solos, I sort of think, oh, I'm just going to have to make them quite simple because there's so much going on and... I've got to dive back into these chords. And yeah, and I would, I'd always sort of, you know, reference, you know, those one note, yes. you know, those beautiful one note solos by Neil Young. Or, oh yeah, we just hang on to that one note for too long and it would just be... Yeah. That's a statement in itself, isn't it? Where, yeah. Especially at that anti-rock, Townsend did it with I Can See For Miles, didn't he? So you, right at that moment when Hendrix and Clapton and everybody were all mm. were all playing, eight, you know, millions of notes, he just, it's yeah, the one the note guitar solo. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Cinnamon Girl or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And, you know, Down By The River and stuff, all those kind of... Yeah, actually, I'd love to. In fact, I might guest on Down By The River on the, at this oh. festival. I think I'm... Well, I'm just hanging around backstage, sort of making sure everyone gets on stage on time, so... I might pop on pop on stage for that one. That would be sen- sensational. I mean, speaking of things like that, can can you remember the first time that you did a sort of big headline show? What it what it felt like before you went on? What it felt like when you came off? I was trying to think. I mean, I don't know about a big headline show. I always I always liked the big headline show because we, we'd have a, we'd have time to to do our thing, you know, to do our sound check, and I never really felt too flustered by those sort of things. I think, if anything, very early on, you know, a big Glastonbury, like like when we did it in 95, 
and it was sort of middle of the afternoon and walked out and 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 the field was was really 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 full it was insane to look at i'd never seen anything like it and then playing all right and everyone just going nuts i remember that i remember that really well i mean i was kind of i was sort of i was like half bricking it completely shaking yeah. my pants but then equally ready for it and, and up for it you know it's that such a weird combo of of feelings yeah so those are special moments you know i don't know if you keep it together really after after you how you go back to normal life after you've had an experience <laughs> like that yeah uh, oh shit sorry <laughs> i've got a delivery even all this in you know it's jagger's no, back it's, it's dh hold on a second oh no oh hey, hey keith, Brilliant. keith richards has turned up now listeners that was, that was Harry Nilsson. There's Nilsson again, was it? Yeah. He just dear God. He's he's run out of um run out of toilet paper. A bit weird, but there we go. It's really odd. It reminds me of I did an interview with with Vic Reeves once. Jim Moyer, and halfway through it, the DHL guy turned up, and it was some um, it was some lipstick for his wife. Actually, as it turns out, brilliant. I don't there know what go. I've got here, actually. It might be... Uh, I, I mean, if you want to open it now, it's, uh, I'd love to... Uh, I think it might be some new threads. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going out on the road. I ought to uh, jazz up my um, trouser situation. I, I Sorry, that's such it, a ridiculous sentence. I need to jazz up my trouser situation. <laughs> I, I, we, we watched you at, at Oslo in 2019, just before the... Not in Oslo, sadly. Oslo in Hackney. And uh, we did, oh, yeah, I did yeah. manage to, to have a chat with you after and you were wearing one of the best jackets I've ever seen. I still think about it. Oh, yeah? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Like a sort oh, of blue like... velvet in my memory it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the one you mean, yeah. Thanks. Threads, man. man. It's all about the threads. And uh, well, you should be wearing your best uh, jazzy trousers for you know the headliner. Yeah, and it's going to be difficult after Stevie Wonder and Neil Young and the White Stripes, and then Coombs coming on to do tonight's the night. Who, who's who's going to headline uh, Gastonbury? Well, I don't know. I was it's a bit. Of, I mean, yeah, I wasn't sure about this one because I for a minute I sort of thought I, I, I was taking it when I thought about this earlier. I was taking it really seriously and thought actually, really, what really would I want? What would blow my little mind if I saw it? And I thought, Beatles doing Abbey Road live, you know, even yeah. in, even in like, if this was 90, if this was all happening in 1974, that would be fine. They could all come back, you know, whatever, five years later and play Abbey Road. But anyway, I did think that, but then I thought, no. And I went for something a bit more, maybe with a more vibe. So I'm thinking yeah. Sly and a Family Stone. Thank you. With guest, guests, performance by prince mm. Mm? yeah 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 mm? yeah, yeah, Check yeah. That out. yeah 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 yes i mean sly and prince are big hitters uh in the fantasy festival stakes and it, why I, is I, that have you seen seen a lot of these guys well they've they've been I, I mentioned mean, before yeah, yeah, understandably yeah. but the, but we we must why is that what 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 is it about their particular brand of a funk that i'm answering my own question if you want to close a big festival, you want something like you've just said. You've walked yourself out of, the, of Abbey Road because it's not necessarily a festival ender, is it? People are a no, bit drunk. People are full of corn dogs and candy floss, and they want excitement. Yeah. Is this the best way to deliver it? Probably is, isn't it? 
I mean, you know, though, again, much like the Stevie performance from from that from that TV show, the amount of incredible, like, insane performances I've seen from the side of Family Stone, it just just it's just unreal, and the energy, and the tightness, and but at the same time, the looseness, and, and that mm. the, that whole kind of, it just sort of has everything. I think as a, as a live performance, yeah, always blows my mind watching watching them these performances these. TV performances and stuff. Yeah, I think that's absolutely beautiful. Really, and with Prince as well. Just yeah, I never saw him live, and I have a couple of friends who saw him actually. Whenever it maybe what five couple of years before he died, and um, said he was incredible, and uh, so I'm gutted I never never saw him live. I wonder if he ever saw Supergrass. I mean, that's a genuine question actually, because he, he definitely could have done, couldn't he? You know what I mean? I, I get makes you yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, it? it's 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 possible. It's One of the maybe. things I like is is when worlds collide like that. Do you remember just a couple of years before he died, and Field Music uh, put a new uh, put a new single out or something, and mm. Prince tweeted about, "Oh, I'm really enjoying the new Field Music record." Oh, is that right? Wow, yeah. God, imagine that! I know. What a buzz! Yeah, I know, completely mad. So there you go. I think he was a Supergrass fan, putting it out there. There we go. I'll take, I mean, I'll take that. I want to Jagger is obviously Jagger's. Yeah. You can't leave you alone. I can can't, I? can't. Yeah, can't get rid of him. Well, we can't keep him waiting Bless much longer because obviously you've got some business to attend to with Mick. But a few things, a few bits of uh, housekeeping before we let you go, before the hostage situation becomes real. Um, <laughs> congratulations on on the new music. Turn the car around, the new LP. is out now as you hear this and you're probably all over it like a cheap suit. And what what is it you want to achieve next? What do, what happens next? I mean, obviously you're going to be promoting the record what what happens live? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, yeah, I'm heading into some like a little run of in stores coming up, which is going to be pretty cool. I'm doing like like a week and a half of visiting independent record shops around the country and playing some songs and yeah, uh, that's going to be really cool. Actually, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So that will all be around the album coming out and then get back in for a bit of rehearsing and then hit Europe in. March and then UK April and then onwards, you know, festival season. You'll be doing the festivals, I, yeah. I will be, yeah, I will be doing some festivals. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be an exciting year, you know. It's all, all kicking off, so um, yeah, I'm really up for it. Excited. Well, hopefully culminating in, uh, you know, the uh, headlining Gadstonbury in Coney Island because that's what we have been curating today. ESG Terry Hall, Spinal Tap, Bad News. Television, Patty Smith, Stevie Wonder, Neil Young, White Stripes, Slime, The Family Stone, and Prince. Pretty good lineup by anybody's imagination, I think. Sweet. Gaz Coombs, thank you so much for being with us today and uh, curating your lineup with us. And I hope you have a phenomenal year. I can't wait to see you live. Oh, thanks, Sean. No, I've had a great time, man. It's been good. See you down the road. Go and make Jagger that cup of tea, mate. <laughs> And there we have it. Another vintage, by which I mean tremendous, lineup brought to you, I'm so proud to say, by Fender's American Vintage 2 guitar range. Recreations of the most iconic guitars from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, my spiritual home, built to all the original specs. If it's good enough for Pike Smith, just saying. Head to fender.com forward slash the lineup to learn more.